This is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast, season eight, episode four. I'm John DiCarlo, the editor of the site, joined again by everybody's favorite OwlScoop.com reporter, Javon Edmonds. Uh, am I really everybody's favorite? Because I'm yes, going are. to take that and run with it. You should. You should. Kyle's not here to defend himself. Caden's not here to defend himself. Sam is, you know, Sam is is pretty much fully ensconced with his work at the Inquirer now. He's going to be covering the Penn State beat. And we know that he gets reminded every two days or so that when he starts sending out Penn State updates, he gets threats of oh i'm not going to follow you anymore but sam's still going to hop on the pod with us every once in a while and Caden will as well uh kyle's going to get back into the mix hopefully in a a couple of weeks but regardless javon Evans is everybody's favorite alscoop.com reporter the title yeah, is here first. until 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 somebody else comes and takes it as far as i as far as i see it agree or disagree i agree if the editor said it i can't disagree <laughs> uh we got a uh, a lot to go over today. I mean, more so, uh, we'll have more of a, a detailed preview and breakdown of next week's season opener at Duke. Javon and I will be there on the road, taking a road trip down to Wallace Wade Stadium, beautiful Durham, North Carolina. We'll get more into Duke next week. We do have some updates for you today. We, we decided to record a day later in the week because Stan Drayton and a few players spoke earlier today. We're recording this on Thursday. And they spoke over at Everett Gerlson Hall. So talked to Stan Drayton. He had some updates about the roster. Uh, we talked to Isaac Moore, talked to Jalen McMurray, and talked to Jordan McGee as well. And we'll have some audio for you. Before we get into that, famous number four is Javon. What do you have? All right. So you left a few off the list, so I had to add some on. Um, two bad boy Pistons, Joe Dumars and Adrian Dantley. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to consider Dantley a part of the bad boy era. Uh, the gunslinger, Brett Favre, of course. Yeah. Chris Weber. Uh, I got a throwback for the people around here. Dolph Shays, technically a yeah. sixer. Um, yeah. Bobby Orr and Mel Ott. Yeah. Lou Gehrig. I mean, those are just a couple I'd put up. If you want to go deep, deep dive, very good Temple football player, Alex Joseph. But yeah, ton of, ton of number fours. I'm sure will be criticized. Uh, I watched Charles Barkley in Houston. Yeah, yeah. War number four there. Just dropped the three off of his off of his thirty-four. So Russell Westbrook in the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. If we forget a few, let us know. It means that you're listening and we appreciate that. <laughs> um, so let's get to the, the big news of the day, and not surprising news, is that Stan Drayton named Juan Mathis as the starting quarterback for the season opener. We kind of thought that he might say that. On Monday, media availability was initially set for uh, tomorrow. So we talked to Stan this past Monday was the first of his you know weekly Monday press conferences for the season. So I asked him about starters and he said that he would announce more starters next week. So he said that Quincy Patterson would be the backup. Um, we've got some audio here of him talking about the whole quarterback room also thought it was noteworthy Javon that he said that they're going to travel all four quarterbacks which I think is interesting kind of cool and you know I, I think 
we're not surprised by the Dewan Mathis news, right? That the Quincy's the backup, Mariano Valente's in the mix, and, and he wants to travel EJ Warner, true freshman there. Again, surprised or not surprised by this? Uh, I can guess I'm not surprised. I didn't think they'd travel EJ, but why not? Uh, I think but more EJ, so just the Dewan news. Oh, the Dewan news, no, not really. I figured yeah. he'd go with the incumbent guy. Um, mm-hmm. And he saw some talent in them. Drayton has some power five experience. So does Mathis. Uh, Patterson, a little bit of Virginia Tech experience. At North Dakota State, 7-0 as a runner. Uh, passing, you wanted to see that improve. I think he was barely over 50% with his completion percentage. So, uh, DeWan, seven games last year, about, what, 1,223 passing yards, six touchdowns, 59% completion. So there's potential there. Uh, he's got faith in Langsdorf. Drayton does. So not really too surprised. Uh, I would be surprised if EJ Warner doesn't get a red shirt this year, though. Yeah. And again, that's a decision that they can make at any point. Yeah. I, this wasn't too surprising. I thought he was going to name him again th- this past Monday. But here's here's some audio of, of Stan Drayton talking about the whole quarterback room. He talks mostly about, or in part, talks about Duan just being consistent and he gives you a, a sense of what else is going on in the quarterback room as well. We're going to travel all four of those guys. We're going to travel four, you know, and um, we feel as though that all four are in the process of, of preparing really well. You know, uh, I will go ahead and um, uncover this. I mean, uh, Duan will be our starter, um, uh, backed up by Quincy. And, uh, you know, we, we do feel that uh, Mariano and, uh, and EJ, have made unbelievable strides along the way. So uh, that's one position where, um, you know, two of those guys have been battle-tested. They've been in it before, so we don't expect a whole lot of flinch um, from those two guys. And, and Mariano's a very mature uh, a very mature quarterback who's been in the program for a long time, and he knows the offense inside and out. I mean, we don't skip a beat from a um, – uh, football IQ standpoint at all, Mariano has to go in the game. And EJ obviously being a true freshman, you know, um, there are some things that you need to learn. You know, he's not battle tested yet, but uh, he's had really, he's stacked some really good practices along the way. So we'll travel four, uh, we'll, 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 we'll go with the one, you know, but again, as a culture, um, if you're labeled a starter, uh, it's your job to, to keep that keep that status you know every day we're going to go out and we're going to compete and you can keep it one day you can lose it one day and and we don't want to necessarily rattle their cages but we want to make sure that we're still sharpening each other's tools uh that we continue to to get better along the way so what did he show you what did Dewan show you just to kind of lock down the starting spot at least for the season very consistent he's been consistent you know he's grown up a lot uh, he's putting in uh, the proper amount of work uh, that he used to put in. He's, he's leading the charge. He's um, making adjustments on the run. He's making sure guys are getting lined up in the proper place. I mean, he's showing that he has a, a well-rounded understanding of what we're trying to do on offense. He's managed uh, situations uh, really well, and uh, he's throwing the ball really well, and he's a threat with his feet, you know, so... Um, you know, he's proven that over time uh, in a consistent manner to where we, we're, we're ready to let him take the ball by the horns. Uh, so Stan was also asked if he could play two quarterbacks. He said maybe, not trying to give up the whole playbook there. 
I would think that, and again, we'll get into the running backs in a little bit, that if things are stalling out in the running game, you know, that they could, that could be where they have a, a package for Quincy Patterson. And he, you know, he, uh, I talked to Stan in a, in a follow-up question. I don't think it was in that clip that we just played. Um, he talked about Quincy and I asked him about his arm, you know, uh, a lot of people know him as a runner. He said he does have a very live arm. We got to get him back into rhythm. He's a product of three very different styles of coaching. So, um, but yeah, not not too surprising there. But I I wouldn't be totally shocked if you see a package uh, or two for him in the opener. We'll see. Um, Drayton also talked about having an offensive coordinator in Danny Langsdorf that has coached three styles of football in Nebraska, Colorado, and his time with the Giants as their quarterbacks coach in 2014. He also uh, when I asked him about the specialists, he said that Ahmad Anderson will start off as the team's punt returner again. Not a not a huge surprise there. As far as kick returners, he said that Malik Cooper's in the mix, Jalen McMurray will be in the mix, and he mentioned Jakari Norwood. He called Jakari a very hard runner. So yeah, Jakari shook up the running back room in a good way yep. too. Yeah, he seems very very high on Jakari Norwood. So uh, again, more sort of like unsolicited praise there. He also said Jose Barbone will get work. As a punt returner, Isaac Moore also spoke today. It was very entertaining. Um, can't remember the last time we talked to him. Again, players didn't talk in the spring. That was Stan's decision. Uh, he talked about, you know, when the team got there, when he got there in 2018, there was a solid backbone of toughness. I think he really opened up a lot today. And then he said little by little things chipped away. Uh, a, he talked about, he praised uh, Ed Foley. And he said the uh, the way he talked, the way he demanded things from players kind of contributed to that. And he talked about Ed Foley. And again, nobody asked him about Ed. He just brought up Ed unsolicited. He brought up Kenny Yeboah unsolicited. So I think of it, it was his way of saying that, yes, the whole vibe of toughness and some pride around the program definitely deteriorated over the last three years. He did not use the word deteriorate. I'm using that word for him, but he did talk he about said that. They chipped away little by little. Yeah, so. chipped away. So I guess that would be the definition of deteriorating, right? Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much the urban dictionary definition. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and he talked about with Foley, he said the, the people like Ed and people like Kenny Yeboah made things so hard that the game was easy. Uh, and he said when he left, it was a big impact. I felt personally, especially on special teams. So now that we're getting back to Temple Tough and what Temple football really means, it feels great. So, yeah, he said uh, he uh, he wished he was born a few years later because yeah. he's that excited about the yeah. future of the program. So when you got somebody like that who's been around for three different coaching regimes, um, you know, saying he's that excited about the future, there's something for fans to be optimistic about. Yeah, and I mean, there's a there's a guy too that you know, just like Adam Klein, those guys were around. They were the bookend tackles who got some starting, you know, snaps as as true freshmen, and were there when Chris Weezham was there. Wee's left for three years, went to, to Georgia Tech with Jeff Collins, and he had some high praise for Chris Weezahan today. So there's a guy that's come a long way. Again, Isaac's got to go out and prove it at left tackle. I think he's had some, some great moments at Temple. He's had some very inconsistent moments at Temple. Uh, you know, I don't think I'm breaking any news here, but if you see Isaac Moore take a step forward and, and Adam Klein take a step forward with those guys, especially two being single-digit guys and leading the way, I think that shows you that the line really is benefiting from the return of Chris Weezahan. I asked for to, to try to get Wisdom Parshi today. Didn't get him. Uh, I think ideally he starts at center and Adam Klein stays at right tackle. Uh, we'll see. I was hoping to talk to Wiz today. Maybe we can get him next week. Uh, again, we mentioned Jalen McMurray spoke. Again, 
If you follow the program, you know that he got a single digit last week. Big deal for him because he only played in four games last year as a true freshman. Uh, He was great, too. Great to talk to him. He credited his father for his work ethic. He said his father started him on 5 a.m. workouts when he was in fifth grade. <laughs> yeah, that explains why he's um a normal be in the facility at 5:30 guy. You kind of don't break that habit when you start that early. I know mm-hmm. me personally, um, yeah, me and my dad probably would have gotten into a scuffle. I was gonna um, ask you <laughs> if your dad had you doing 5 a.m. workouts when you were in fifth grade. Yeah, no. Um, my my dad wouldn't wake up at five a.m. for anything. So no. Yeah. Um, shout out to Mr. McMurray for that though. Uh, got his son to be an essentially a team captain as yeah. a shirt freshman at Temple. So that's uh, <clears throat> you know, when they say active fathers in their athletes' lives, I guess that's a prime example of it. Absolutely. Uh, I, uh, a fifth grade John DeCarlo was just worried about missing missing the bus to Euclid Hills Elementary School. <laughs> Could have walked to the school anyway, but actually, you know what? I'll say this: a fifth grade me was doing eight or nine o'clock workouts on the black tops outside with my mom. Um, there you go. Uh, That's something. We went, That's we impressive. Went, we went one day. It was either a day after it rained or a day it rained, but like it wasn't raining anymore. And there was a mud puddle like on the baseline that I slipped and fell into. I don't Ooh. know what drill I was doing. Uh, we didn't go back to that court again. Uh, and then we went during the afternoon one weekend. No, no, it was a weekday after school. And I think I hated my mom for like a week because she had <laughs> me run so many suicides just for shuffling my feet. Like, if I hear your feet scraping on the ground, you're running. And Did she, she play basketball? Yeah, she played in middle and high school before she got pregnant with my older brother. So, yeah, she, uh, she had me running those suicides nice and early. And every coach Impressive. I played for afterwards. As to make me run. So very impressive. Yeah. Very impressive. Shout out to, to, to Javon's mom. That's impressive stuff. Um, so in addition to talking to Jalen McMurray again, we got more uh, before I get to another point from Stan Drayton here. You know, Jalen also talked about, um, you know, tipped his cap to Keyshawn Paul and Cameron Ruiz, who again, we, we should know numbers, what zero one, two is given the decline, right? So zero, one, what numbers are still out there? Zero, one, and four? I believe, I think it's four that's available. So the, and there's know, four numbers still available. Yeah. And so Stan said, you know, that that process isn't, isn't quite done yet. So, you know, the guys I'm talking about here, and we don't have any solid information on this, like, you know, a couple of people have asked us, wow, it's interesting that Jalen McMurray got a single digit and Keyshawn Paul didn't or Cameron Ruiz didn't. Uh, he, he talked about them today, Joe McMurray did and talking about how the, the quarterback room was kind of like a safe spot for him to open up and become a leader, which I thought was, was pretty cool. And a tip of the cap to them. Stan also will, will we'll close things out here before we go over to the mailbag. Stan talked about some other position battles. Sam Cohn did ask him about some other ones that he thought were, were kind of tightening up. He mentioned the safeties, mentioned the running backs, mentioned the wide receivers, Mentioned the defensive ends. Uh, he unsolicited Trey Thomas, the outside linebacker, Rush End, who's uh, coming in as a transfer spent last season at Independence Community College. And we'll play this audio for you here. This is the full clip of him um, talking about those position battles and talking a little bit about the running back room as well. Dan, obviously the quarterback is a noteworthy starter today. I'm curious where else you feel like you have the strongest positional battles, maybe across the board. Uh, you know, the safety position. You know, there's going to be, um, 
you got some older guys that have played here, and you got some younger guys that we have brought in that have um, really created some great competition in that position. You know, um, the defensive end position, with the addition of, of Trey Thomas, and um, you know, you got um, Lado that's growing up every single day, and. Uh, you know, so those two are in a constant battle. And that's, I mean, those are two real football players there that, that go after it every single day. Um, the receiver position, you know, you bring in some new talent and, and, and uh, the sense of urgency, you know, enhances, um, you know, uh, the running back room. You know, um, Jakari came in, you know, um, and, and rattled that, that room in a, in a positive way. And everybody stepped their level of play up, you know, and that's what it is, right? That's why... You know, you'll never hear me come in here and say that's the starter and, and actually write it in concrete, you know, because we get better the more we can sharpen each other's tools on a daily basis. But uh, these guys have benefited from it. I think they're buying into it. You know, an immature team will struggle with that. They will struggle with that, you know. Um, but this team is showing maturity in the sense of that they understand it and they embrace it and uh, they love the competition. Love the right. So again, we'll have a lot more on Duke next week. You know, they, they talked a little about they're already preparing for Duke. And again, we've talked about this before. It'll be an interesting season opener for both teams. Mike Elko coming in from Texas A&M. He was a very good defensive coordinator there. Stan Drayton coming in from Texas. So two new head coaches, you know, uh, talked about, you know, having to look at a film from, you know, from different assistants and stuff like that. And looking at, you know, Kevin Johns is coming over from Memphis. He's going to be the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Duke. So, you know, when these teams prepare for each other, it's going to be a mix of, you know, I think Stan talked about today, like we have to try to anticipate what their strengths are going to be. And a lot of it's going to come down to us with in-game adjustments, you know, trying to take our best stab at that and then adjusting in game. Yeah. I think, I think one thing for the Duke game that's going to be helpful as the season goes on, because I don't think Memphis replaced Johns with anybody from the outside. I th- I think it may be somebody from his staff last year um, as their offense coordinator this year. I'll double check. Um, but if that's the case, Temple could uh, finally beat Memphis in back-to-back seasons because neither school has ever beaten each other in back-to-back seasons. So if you see Kevin Johns' offense in week one, when you see it again before the bye week, I want to say, then you've uh, kind of got a leg up and you might be able to become the f- first team in that series to win back-to-back games. Tim Cramsey is their offensive coordinator now. So at Memphis, that is. So, yeah. um, so again, we'll have a more detailed Duke preview next week as, uh, as things ramp up. Uh, heading into the game, We've got some good mailbag questions that we want to get to uh, to close the, the rest of the pod out here. Uh, it'll take a while to get through these, but we're so happy to get these mailbag questions from you, our subscribers and our listeners. We very much appreciate it. Cramsey's from Allentown. What's that? Cramsey is from Allentown. Oh, he is. And he was the offensive coordinator at Marshall last year. So it won't be the same offense, probably. So I'll yeah. take that whole statement back. Javon Edmonds holding himself accountable. I love it. Yeah. Love it. Rockland Al brings us our first mailbag question. Question there is, what is the biggest reason for optimism going into the season on offense and on defense? What do you think? For optimistic purposes, uh, I think just you got to be excited about the offensive line with Weez coming back, number one. Um, 
I think defensively, the fact that an inside linebacker and an edge rusher got single digits, those are two what we call premium positions in football now. So mm-hmm. with those being single-digit guys, uh, the front seven has some sort of stability, I guess you'd say. Like, that's mm-hmm. something to be excited about. Uh, of course, the corners are pretty much locked down. So I think those are the two position groups to be the most excited about. Uh, the edge rushers, well, not the edge rushers, uh, well, you know, having McGee and Varner as single digits, and then on the O-line with Weez returning and Klein and Moore still there and Corsi and all those guys. I think that's the most optimistic parts of the team. I think, I think for me, that off the top of my head, the biggest reason for optimism going into the season is the coaching. And again, Danny Langsdorf and DJ Elliott have to go out and, and produce as coaches, but I just think that the level of coaching uh, that these guys receive on, on both sides of the ball is going to be better. The programs that they've been at, I, I think the, the defense is going to have more personality with, with the simulated pressures, not the DJ Elias and we got in America that, that does that. But, you know, uh, they've talked about, I think Antoine Smith talked about the fact that, you know, the, the, the front three or the front four based on how multiple they're going to be, isn't going to have to account for all of the pressure. And, you know, if, uh, a, you know, a guy like a, like a Trey Thomas starts to develop this year, I, I just think the level of coaching is going to be better. And it's, again, it's always fun to see what happens with a coaching switch and a coaching change, which guys get better, which guys respond to different coaching. That's my biggest reason for, for optimism. You know, again, you, you mentioned some of the key position battles, which are good to, to keep an eye on. Um, next mailbag question comes from TUL08 is the screen name. Based on what you've seen from practice, will fans be surprised what the level of play this year? What do you think, Javon? Uh, I think they'll be I, – I don't know if content's the word. I think they'll be pleased by the level of play this year. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think you're going to see uh, any quit in the team, and they're going to try to play hard. They're probably going to be more of a fundamental football team than they were last year. I know you hated, well, I won't say hated. You weren't the biggest fan of how sloppy special teams were. I don't think anybody was. (laughs) Um, I don't think all you had to do was open your eyes on that. Yeah, and and personally, um, watching them get ran over as much as they did last season on the defensive end, I I, I just thought that front seven, um, and I, I, I can't blame the players for it at all. My problem was with Jeff Knowles and his scheme to stop the run last season. I was not happy with whatsoever. So I don't think we'll see anything that alarming this season. I think that I think the fans could be pleasantly surprised with the level of play this year. And again, we've said this a million times, um, you know, this is a rebuilding program. If they end up winning four games or winning five games, I think it's a matter of how they win, you know, how they win, how they lose. Are you seeing progress? Are you seeing signs of progress with with different players, different schemes, um, that type of thing. Again, I think it comes back to the the level of coaching that they receive. But sure, I think that I think that that fans could be pleasantly surprised with the level of play this year. Again, I I, I think it's a big deal if they go down to Duke and win. And again, Duke could be a two and ten program this year. And and Mike Algo could look at his two and ten record and say, Hey, I'm seeing signs of progress there, you know, similar to like Matt rule going down and, 
a little bit into his tenure going down and, and beating Vanderbilt, beating an SEC team. You know, you're not beating Florida, but you're going on the road and and getting a win, just like if they were to go down to to Duke and get an ACC win. So I think the fans could be pleasantly surprised with the level of play this year. Um, next question comes from the screen uh, the screen name MooseJake08. Do you think that the Owls will be a good tackling team? It's a good question. Uh, again, I know we say this every week, but just to remind people, we do not see the entirety of practice, not by a long shot. We see, we see the stretches and the warm-ups. Yeah, exactly. And then you'd have to go back, come back for media availability. I, I, I think the easy answer here, the predictable answer, not that people want this, is they, I think a lot of teams in America are somewhat sloppy tackling teams within the first couple of weeks if they're not tackling to the ground or hitting in camp. So I think that that's in college and the NFL, I think that's maybe the sloppiest portion of the game that you tend to see in the first couple of weeks. But, you know, hey, again, if you see good tackling, if you see good fundamental tackling uh, from the veterans and some of the younger players, then again, you tip your hat to the coaches, right? And say, hey, there must have been doing something right there. Do you think they will be a good tackling team out of the gate or do you think they will be a little rusty? It'll be rusty. Uh, I think during by about a third or fourth game of the season, they'll be good to go. Uh, I just don't think this staff is one that's going to be happy with sloppy tackling. Like I yeah. think all the fundamentals are going to be locked up. It's the extracurricular stuff that uh, you have to keep an eye out for. But this is not one staff that will keep – you know, keep guys on the field for playing fundamentally sloppy football. Yeah, the good, I think you make a great point there when you talk about the extracurricular stuff. And that talks about, again, we'll have to see how disciplined this team is when it comes to are they hitting guys out of bounds, whether that's intentional or not. Are they a penalized team? You know, again, we'll just have to see, see how that goes. All that, all that fun stuff to look at in the opener. You could be a good tackling team, but if you're not doing it at the right time and, you extend the drive and it's like third and eight and you hit a quarterback on third and six and he's two yards short and you extend the drive with a late hit, obviously not a, not a good thing that again, that stuff can be rusty in the first couple of weeks, but we'll see how it goes. Um, next question here from Matt Debs is the screen name. Seems like strength and conditioning was a weakness the past few years. Any idea how the new staff has done in that regard? Again, I don't think that, and again, the, the Iverson Clement thing aside, with all due respect to the previous staff, I, I just wasn't hearing great things about no. how players felt about the the strength staff. Uh, I think that's part of the equation, that, that part of what went into the equation of them not producing on the field so far. Uh, that the reviews on Chris Fenelon and his staff have have been pretty good. Adam Klein's talked about them. I, I, I even if you look at Adam Klein, he's always been a bigger guy as an offensive lineman. You know, uh, played it. Uh, at Episcopal Academy is a local kid, but he even looks a little bit bigger and stronger. You know, Fenelon was an assistant on the Ohio state staff dating back to 2019. The, the general vibe seems to be that uh, they're working with a much better strength staff. Again, all these guys are, you know, O and O heading into the season. Everything is mostly positive and we'll see how things go when, you know, or if Temple is two and four, two and five, and two and six, and then do people feel as positive? Are they rebuilding or is this inexcusable? And we'll, we'll see how fans feel after that. But I would generally say the vibes have been pretty positive on Chris and his staff, right? Yeah. Uh, like you said, Adam Klein's been giving them some praise. We haven't heard anything bad. I know 
Uh, Drayton was a fan of his work in the spring. So, so we hear anything bad, we'll just keep assuming that he's doing pretty good. Uh, the last, uh, well, second last, excuse me, second last mailbag question to close us out here. The screen name is B Devin Four. Looks like the Owls officially named Juan Mathis as the starting QB against Duke. What are your expectations for Mathis this season? What does he uh, need to do to reach his very visible at times potential? What do you his think? mechanics. Last season, I talked about his shoulders and his legs. See, his shoulders and legs were never square. Had a problem with following through on his throw. Uh, and I think he had a tendency uh, to start running a little too early. Didn't go through his reads quick enough. So he's got to sharpen up mentally. Uh, and, and he's got to just stay more fundamentally sound in the pocket and not be so eager to take off running. I think that's just the it, – it's just little things for DeJuan Mathis. He's physically gifted. He's got arm talent. It's just mm-hmm. about touch. Uh, I know we had this drill um, back when, when I was playing basketball, and I'm pretty sure – yeah, and our high school quarterback had this drill too. Just take a tennis ball home with you, and just when you're laying in your bed or just not doing anything, just – Keep flicking your wrist and throwing the ball up against the wall, and it should be coming right back to you. Works mm-hmm. on your touch tremendously. Uh, hmm. it, it just small things like that. The Javon Edmonds Coaching Clinic coming to you live on the scoop. I could start one, you know. Value, value added part of, of the podcast. I love it. But no, I mean, you, you nailed it. I, I think there is a lot of potential there. I think it, you know, for his sake, it would be a hell of a story <clears throat> if he turns things around. And I'm not talking about. I don't think they need him. Again, I think we're we're all pretty realistic about what's going to happen in the first season. I, I, I think even Stan Drayton, he might have said on Monday, are we expecting to get the entire culture rebuilt in one year? No. Are we going to get everything done the first year? No. But, you know, if he's – I'm not expecting him to pass for 4,500 yards, 35 touchdowns, and five picks. Or I mean, if he does, then Temple's got a, got a shot to go to a bowl game and maybe compete for – a conference championship, but I mean, you said it, I think a lot of the talent is there. I think the arm talent is there. And then there were times where he would, he would, you know, he would nail a deep ball. And then there were times where he would really underthrow a deep ball or sail a pass. And you just say, okay, I mean, you know, consistency is an issue. Stan Drayton said today has been a lot more consistent. That's in preseason camp. Obviously if he looks more consistent again, I think, Obviously, wins and losses are important. I get that. Anybody could tell you that. You don't have to come to this podcast for that. But I think it's really going to be a lot of how they win, how they lose. If if you see if Dewan Mathis is doing the things you said, Javon, if his footwork's better, if he's squaring up his shoulders better, and then Quincy Patterson, who, again, Stan said has a pretty live arm. But it does sound when Stan talked about him, just to go off, you know, direction here for a second he said he's a product of three different coaching styles i don't get the sense that quincy is like neck and neck with dewan i think it seems fairly clear that dewan's the starter now if he falters i think they go to quincy and he's got a strong arm but i do think if they can mix in some packages where quincy can get in there for a series or or mid-series and mix things up then you've got something to work with there but um but yeah i think considering uh, Patterson has had some success at a mm-hmm. very high level of football. Yeah. And uh, Mathis, you know, you, you missed five games with injury last season. Must be a little mm-hmm. precautious with you. They get in the yeah. games where, like, they've got a blowout situation. Like, I got one for you right here. Lafayette and UMass, mm-hmm. Quincy Patterson should be playing the second half of those games. They should not need DeWan Mathis 
out there for the second half? Ideally, ideally, yes. Ideally, yes. I think maybe maybe more realistically he plays the fourth quarter. Especially the fourth quarter, at, at the very yeah. least the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Stranger things have, have happened. Um, another, uh, another statement slash question here from B. Devin Ford. It seems like the vibes from this team are entirely different in a positive way under Coach Drayton. Is that noticeable in person during the snippets of practice you're allowed to attend? Yes. Um, not only that, just being in the building. Uh, I think we, uh, you know, I think Sam mentioned this several weeks ago or a couple of months ago on the podcast. I mean, again, I, I think they had nowhere to go but up. But I, I think that the guys generally seem happier in the building. Uh, I think that the vibe in the building is much better. Again that's easy when there's a coaching change, you know, I, I remember and no God's, games have been played. Yet. Exactly. No games have been played. Uh, so, you know, again, and, and Rod Carey's first season, they go eight and four in the regular season, finish eight and five, again, lost to a very good North Carolina team, but they got their butts handed to them. But in that first year, generally speaking, a lot of what you heard from guys like, you know, Chappelle Russell, Amir Tyler, Sean Bradley, you know, and two of those three guys in the NFL right now saying, generally speaking, hey, he's pushing all the right buttons. He's letting seniors lead. He's not fixing anything that's not broken. And that's why I think, not that I thought Rod Carey was destined to be Matt Rule or a guy that was going to have the team 12-0 and and playing in a New Year's Six Bowl game two years later, but that's why the, the drop-off was so staggering. Yes, COVID affected everybody, but oof, you know, they really dropped off. I don't see that type of trajectory understand Drayton. I do think as we've said before, I think he's a better CEO type of coach. I think he's done a much better job of wrapping his arms around the program. I think his assistants have done a better job of that. So I do think the vibes are a lot better. Uh, I think that they seem to just get it more again. Now getting it more might again, amount to four wins, but I keep saying this, it's how they win and how they lose. So yes, it is noticeable in person. I think that the the spirit and the energy is better. It was terrible last year. It just never turned around after that Memphis win. So yes, I think it's much better. Again, let's talk about that in a few weeks. I, I don't. I would be shocked if, even if they go four and eight this year, or five and seven, I would be surprised if if you start hearing leaks or you hear like, well, man, this this staff has no idea what they're doing. The vibe around the program isn't good. Yes, you always have a couple of descenders, and it's usually from players who aren't playing or parents of players who aren't playing. That's a tale as old as time, but uh, I do think it's been noticeably different uh, from what we've seen around the building. And then the final mailbag question to close out the podcast this week, this comes from the screen name, Jeff MD 49, what areas have the special where, what, in what areas have the special teams improved? Uh, I'm not getting positive vibes about the offensive line, any info. Again, we don't see practices. Yeah. We, we, I mean, we got no live action to give you anything off of except the spring game. And the spring game didn't do special teams, did they? Oh, God. Um, Actually, they tried remember. belt hunters, but they didn't do returns, I don't think. Yeah, they didn't do they didn't do returns. Um, and a couple times during the spring game, I was running around trying to get uh, get to some former players. That too. Um, I mean, let's start with the, like, the second question first. I'm not getting positive vibes about the offensive line. I mean, we talked to Chris Wiesahan recently, and he said he has about seven guys that he would consider to be above the line. Now, in a perfect world, he'd be saying, I have 10 guys that I feel really good about. I'm too deep, I'm, I'm comfortably too deep at every position. Um, 
I don't know what what Jeff MD is looking for here in terms of positive vibes. I don't know what you can reasonably expect. I think it's I, I think it's a positive that they seem as upbeat as they are about Isaac Moore and that he got a single digit because Isaac has been up and down. Not surprised that Adam Klein has taken a step forward. I would agree that they're, you know, when we talked to Wee's, you know, whatever it was uh, two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, you know, when I, I said this wisdom force, you have that that center job locked down. He said it's still fluid. Yes, as a fan and as a coach, you'd want to hear hear him saying, yeah, Wiz looks great. All the exchanges have been great. That was obviously an issue in the spring game. I don't know if that was a fluky thing. I don't know if that was the weather, but it was a thing. So um, yeah, he has maybe seven guys he feels good about. I don't know that it's this huge problem area where they're completely bereft of talent. But I do think, again, if, if you were to talk to, to Chris, he'd say, yeah, I mean, I want to have 10 or 12 guys that if, that I feel really good about. He said Bryce Thoman is developing. They, I guess they feel like Jim Tuobadegu was coming around, a guy that the previous staff was was high on. But they are. They're, they're a work in progress there, I would say. And uh, what areas of the special teams improved? Yeah, again, as Javon said, we don't really know for sure. I mean, I think that, you know, um, now Stan Drayton did say on Monday, I should say, uh, you know, they added Kyle, I think was the first to break this news that uh, Camden Price, a uh, former Miami place kicker, is now on Temple's roster. He's a grad transfer. Uh, Stan said, yes, he is going to challenge Rory Bell for the job. Now, Rory hit that 55-yarder at Cincinnati for the only points of the day. It kind of banged in, right? Like he kind of clanged it through, but still impressive nonetheless. But Roy Bell was 9 of 16 on field goal attempts last year. Not not terrific. Uh, he did hit all 23 of his extra points. But, yeah, Camden Price was brought in to compete for the job. So we'll see. And they're in a, they're in a battle there. Um we don't we don't get to see them kick kick after kick we don't get to see much of special teams again i think if you're looking for any improvement or potential improvement again these guys could be all talk but i think they are very keenly aware that this program lost its way with special teams over the last over the last three seasons you know they they weren't going after kicks sometimes there's only so much you can do in the kick game if, if uh, the team you're playing has a kicker that just consistently kicks it out of the end zone, or if you're just going for touchbacks there, but you want to see him go after kicks. You want to see him go. You want to see him more, be more aggressive. Adam Shire and Stan Drayton have both said that they plan to be more aggressive. So we'll see. Uh, but again, we don't know until, until the, the, the pads come on. I would be surprised if they're not improved on special teams. If they don't, they're in, they're in deep trouble. But uh, yeah, I don't. I'd be surprised if they're not a little bit more aggressive there. I don't know yeah. if you agree or disagree with that. I'm, I'm with you on that. I think I've only got one nugget uh, to add on to that, and it's got to do with the offensive line. You want something to be happy about or feel confident about. Uh, feel glad that Wees felt like he could afford to have Klein at right tackle and someone else at left tackle. The fact yeah. that he feels comfortable enough to put Klein somewhere other than left tackle, that's something to be happy about. Because that means Isaac Moore actually is doing better than we're probably giving them credit for in camp. Absolutely. That'll do it for this week. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Scoop. Again, we'll have more for you next week when we preview the season opener against the Duke Blue Devils. Thanks again to Javon Evans for 
joining me. Thank you to all of you once again for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.